Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back for another great episode of Tide Chasers Podcast, where each show we try to bring you the best guests from across the fishing industry. Before we get started, please remember that you can give us a follow on Facebook and Instagram at Tide underscore Chasers, and listen to us on all major podcast platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Waypoint TV. Well, Happy New Year, everybody. Um, we're back and we're excited for our first episode of 2024. Um, hopefully you found our holiday gift episode to be helpful as you finished up your last minute shopping or maybe your after holiday shopping with all the gift cards that you got. Um, today we have an awesome guest, but before we get started, I'd like to welcome my fellow co-host, Kwa. Kwa, how you doing, buddy? What's going on, Tyler? And not doing a po- podcast episode for about two, three weeks. Kind of feels weird hopping back on. I know, right? We got new year, new ideas, new guests. I'm super excited for what we have planned for 2024. Oh, definitely. But, you know, at the same time, it's like there's still people out there fishing, right? Those guys braving the cold. Uh, and it's going to specify on the species that we're targeting, uh, we're talking about today too. So, I mean, if you're hardcore enough, you can go out there. Those guys are, they're still out there eating fish. Don't care if the water's cold or the water is hot or if it's, or you're freezing, you know, they don't care. They're out there, they're eating, they're feeding. So they're ready for you. That's absolutely right. And today we have a wel- uh, great guest. I'd like to welcome on Jack Francisconi of at hog dog on Instagram. Uh, Jack is an incredible kayak angler, especially when it comes to tog and many other saltwater species that we love here in the Northeast. So we're excited to talk to him about Tog, one of our favorite wintertime fisheries, and about his many kayak fishing adventures on the salt. Jack, how you doing tonight? Good, guys. How are you? Good, good. Glad to have you on. I've, I followed you for a while now on Instagram, and I have been super impressed by the giant Tog that you catch and, and all the other uh, incredible catches that you have. Thanks, man. Appreciate that. You know, I've been following the podcast and the brand for, I mean, pretty much since I started the Instagram deleted my personal Instagram and uh, just have been posting pictures of fish. So I guess that's how it started. But yeah, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. No problem. Uh, well, we always get to 
know our guest a little bit first as we get started an episode. So maybe you can tell us how you got started in fishing. Cool. Yeah. So um, I'm from South Jersey originally, um, small town Berlin in Camden County. And uh, I got started when I was probably maybe six, seven years old. Um, no one in my family fished, but my grandfather one day was just like, why don't we go, you know, get a cheap ugly stick combo, a bobber, some worms, and uh, just go down to the lake that was right down the street. And um, I, I mean, I remember it like it was yesterday, you know, super cliche, but uh, we're sitting there, you know, bobbers probably like 20 yards in front of us sat in the middle of the lake with a night crawler on it. And it goes down and you start reeling. And my first fish ever was like a, you know, three pound bass, nothing crazy, but that was enough just, you know, to start the itch. And ever since then it was, uh, I gotta go fishing. Between, I mean, I'm not, I'm not gonna lie though. First, first fish ever to get started is a pre three pound bass. Most we were waiting for the the bluegill to come in. He's like, nah, no, it was a, it was a three pound bass. Yeah, man. I mean, that definitely set the standards a little high for me. Uh, I I was I was hooked in that in that instant. Then I was it opened up like a brand new world for me, and uh, that was it. I just wanted to fish every day after school. It was go fishing with my friends, ride our bikes three towns over to go fishing, call my mom at, you know, nine o'clock at night on a summer night when I'm way younger than I should be and uh, asking her to drive 30 minutes to come pick me up because my friends and I rode our bikes too far to ride back. And, uh, you know, I've strayed away from it at times throughout the years just because, you know, life gets in the way, you get busy doing other things. But, um, you know, I always found my way back to fishing at one point or another and, uh, I'm super thankful that, you know, at a young age, I was introduced to it. And, um, you know, it's a great, great thing. It's, it helps you gain a peace of mind. And uh, I always found it as like um, a retreat from the rest of the chaos of the world. And when you're fishing, that's all that matters. Just those, that little bit of time that you might get in the day is just enough to, uh, you know, scratch the itch, I guess, or just to gain a little peace of mind and, keep you going so um yeah I was real young in South Jersey when I started fishing and uh I instantly fell in love with chain pickerel too because they're like the very predominant fish in South Jersey I mean a lot of people hate them because um they think that it you know messes with the bass population or something like that but uh to me just like the aggressiveness and the sleek um slender aggressive style that the pickerel is i just you know fell in love with it so i think that's what really started it for me you know just hopping around the ponds in south jersey on a bike with some friends and going fishing just having fun and i think today like that's the one thing i always try and do like whatever whatever it is you know i do get caught up in it sometimes you know yeah I, i expect to perform and go out and catch fish you know you hold yourself to a certain degree of a standard or something but at the end of the day like i think that's just the most important thing is just having fun with it like if you're not going out to fish and you don't want like if you don't want to have fun if that's not your reason for fishing then i don't know what you're doing it for but for me that's the number one thing just have fun and enjoy it you know yeah, hundred percent. Very I've, well I've, said. I've said the same thing past few years. You know, I've, I've always taken a super serious and I always think like, oh, I'm here to catch the biggest fish, just outperform everybody. 
in the last few years, it's it's I've totally changed. You know, what I mean, it's kind of like now I enjoy taking people fishing, watching them catch fish, or I just enjoying you know my time in the water with friends, whether old or new. You know, like I always enjoy just fishing with people and just you know seeing how everything goes. Like like Tyler gets out with me two three times a year. I enjoy his trips, and whenever I get a new person on the boat with me. I enjoy it because it's a conversation. It's a friendship. You know what I mean? It, it lasts forever. And, and that's what I cherish more than actually catching, you know, big fish. I don't mind catching big fish, but yeah, you know, it's, it's more like, like you said, it's all about just having a great time together out in the water, man. That's what it really means. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I mean, I mean, Tyler, I'm sure, you know, like I always see you out fishing. So, you know, you must have, you must have some sort of an addiction to it. Like I do, because I see you're always posting stuff on Instagram. So I, I'm addicted to it. You're right. And I think a lot of it comes back to what you said um, in the beginning, which really hit home with me is, is finding the inner peace, Yeah, you know, and sometimes I get frustrated, you know, like you said, you go out there, you have certain expectations, even though you shouldn't, and that can frustrate you sometimes and you don't live up to those expectations. But at the end of the day, it's all about, like you said, enjoying it, find that inner peace and I just happen to like to find that inner peace very often. So <laughs> that's how yeah, I end yeah. up getting out so much. Yeah. I mean, fishing's uh it's a special thing, man. Um, I, w- I wouldn't compare it to golf because I tried golfing before and that's, that's some frustrating stuff. And uh, same here. Yeah. So there's just, I don't know, a calling that the water has. Uh, and I, I'm definitely drawn to it uh, on the kayak too. Like there's just, it's it's cool, you know. Just uh, it's hard to explain it. Yeah. I I really can't even find the words sometimes to, you know, to explain how what the feeling is like being on the water and watching the sun come up, and even on a boat, like it's just, uh, I don't know, something. What's the word I'm looking for? Um, like it's a special feeling. Yeah, it it's is. deep. It is. It's deep people and, deep people don't understand. Deep. People don't understand it. Even us guys, like even from some of us guys from that's fish from the surf, you know, they don't understand the the what happens when you get out there at first light, right? First light, you walk the dunes. As soon as you walk up there, the sun's just barely popping up out of the horizon, you know. Like it's it's a totally different feeling. You know, people when they become obsessed with the fishing as much as we do, they'll understand that feeling. Even if we didn't catch a single fish today, we caught that that sunrise and then we caught that sunset. You know, it's it's Definitely. it's just a magical day out there, you know. Like, I mean, depending what our jobs are, you know, like, especially Tyler's job, he probably pulls his hair out. That's why his hair's so short, but he needs that. <laughs> he needs that, you know, that little inner peace all the time, you know, because I can imagine, you know, teaching kids or te- I wouldn't call them kids, but, you know, they're pretty much young adults. It, it gets frustrating some days. Oh, I mean, definitely. I remember how I was when mm-hmm. I was in high school and even still early on in college. I, uh, yeah. I definitely needed some structure in my life. So there was a couple teachers that I had that, you know, I'm thankful for because they probably knocked a little sense into me. So, you know, appreciate the work you do. So I thank you. I appreciate it. Yeah. I'm, I'm curious. How did you get into saltwater fishing? You know, you, know, you yeah. talked about your first largemouth bass and liking to, uh, to pick real fish, but uh, how about saltwater? How did you get started with that? So I really had no idea what I was doing. Like, this is it's pretty funny like one day i just like texted a buddy i was like you know like i'm trying to catch bigger fish like i need some something else to like a challenge or something or just something different 
I was like, I'm just going to go, you know, try and catch a striper. I wasn't even sure if it was like striper season or anything like that, or if the, if they were around in the uh, like home waters, I guess that I would call it like Atlantic city was like the closest place to me, just right down the expressway. So I just grabbed like chicken out of the freezer and went and bought like circle hooks and like some, I had like a freshwater setup. I was like, yeah, I'm just going to go try and catch a striper. Like it's a catfish. I mean, completely not even in the right ballpark and uh some guys saw me like what are you doing kid like no you need surf clam you need you know what what they're feeding on you need meat and stuff like that and uh so they gave me some surf clam and i caught like a small like 24 inch striper and on like regular just bass tackle i was like dude this is this is the new like that was awesome i've never had felt like a fish that like had power like that pretty much so, you know, I was uh, in college still and I was just, you know, going for it. I would go to the jetty and bring in teen and try and catch stripers and stuff like that. And um, it was like maybe the beginning of October, like four years ago. And uh, I was fishing the wall on the inner part of the bring teen jetty mm-hmm. um, back behind the lighthouse and I saw this guy reaching into a bucket and he was grabbing grabbing green crabs out of the bucket cutting them up and like showing his son and I could see them there they were sitting with the rod you know super still being super patient and I was like yeah what are those guys doing over there so finally I was like yeah well I'm gonna walk up and see what it's all about I walked up and I was like what are you what are you guys fishing for and he's like oh we're fishing for a tall blackfish I was like what the heck is that and he's like, oh, just hang out here and uh, watch what I do. And I'm standing there, standing there, like 10 minutes go by. I'm like, this guy's rod hasn't moved at all. Like, what, what, what's what's going on here, you know? And I wasn't thinking anything of it. And then I just see a couple little taps. He's like, all right, ready? And he sets into the fish and the rod, like, doubled over, you know, the same as it would on, like, one of those big stripers that i tried been trying to catch and like the fish started taking drag and it, he pulled up like a six pound blackfish off the, uh, off the jetty wall. And I was like, dude, that's awesome. That's like, that's so cool. And he's like, yeah, take a couple crabs. So took a couple crabs, walked up on the jetty and I was watching like everybody just, you know, trying to catch blackfish and everyone was quiet. That's what I noticed. Like there weren't guys like sitting around, like, drinking beers like just with their rods soaking in the water like these guys were all like intently trying to catch this fish like complete focus so I was like wow this is something different this is cool this isn't like fishing for little crappies anymore or um you know just going down to the pond and trying to catch a bass this is like this is serious I realized there was like a whole nother level to fishing that I hadn't really been exposed to before so that day I just you know went and I caught like maybe like a 12 inch tog on a bass rod I was like that thing fought as hard as any of the little bass I was going to catch so from that day forward I spent countless hours driving down the Atlantic City Expressway you know just after work I would get done work at 2 30 3 o'clock if I had three hours of light I was like all right I'm just gonna go try and catch a blackfish on the jetty and I mean, probably for like weeks, like almost every day, every other day, I was down there just trying to catch blackfish. And like the first time I caught a keeper, which was like 15 inches, I was just blown away. I was like, that's the hardest, one of the hardest fighting fish I've ever been exposed to at that point. So 
from there it was it was uh lights out. I'm sorry, I got a dog. She might bark too. So you're good. Try and keep it quiet. But um, that's no, all good. I remember my first talk. It was I was fishing down Ocean City, Maryland. I just you know I didn't really know what I was doing. I just grabbed a couple bottom sweeper jigs and threw a piece of crab on it and dropped it down. And uh, like you said, when I got a bit, I think it was only like a 14 inch fish, but it fought way harder than anything I'd ever experienced and really just dogged me for a 14 inch fish. And yeah, I was like, this is awesome. I want to catch more of them. Yeah. I mean, they're, it's quick. Like, um, once you start really talking, I feel like you, you never like that's it. You, I mean, I definitely love every other fishery that I'm exposed to up here, but that's my first love in saltwater fishing. And, uh, I don't think I'll ever get tired of it. So, all right. Well, yeah, I do of- think, Go ahead, go ahead, Tyler. I was just gonna. I do think you know, like you said before about the guys being quiet, that hog fishing and also sheep's head fishing, in my experiences, are the two things that require like the greatest amount of focus. Because if you're not paying attention, your chances of success go down significantly. Yeah, mm-hmm. definitely. That's why I call sheep's head fishing ninja fishing. Man, you're in ninja yeah. stance and you're just waiting silently yeah i've never seen the most any anyone's more focused on fishing when i see guys sheep's head fishing this is like full-on dedication it's just like you you can't miss nothing but uh you you talked about you said fishing up here so uh where's your home waters now are you still in jersey no i'm not in jersey anymore Uh, about two years ago now i moved up to long island and uh that was like the real start of the full-blown addiction um i had some little you know, um, cheap, not cheap, but you know, the Tamarack lifetime Tamarack angler kayak, some little sit on top bass kayak. And that wasn't enough for like the little ponds and stuff I like to go to. But when I got up here and, um, realized like the amount of opportunities and, uh, just the sheer amount of water, like you're surrounded by water. So you might as well go fish. So, um, I saved up some money and I went to uh, Action Sports in Oakdale at the kayak um, kayak store and I bought my first pedal kayak, which was, was the Old Town Salty. Mm-hmm. And I literally had, again, I had no idea what I was doing. You know, I had a couple saltwater rods at this point, some better gear, but I was like, I'm just going to get a life vest and go for it. Like, there's no way to learn if you don't, you know, just try and jump in at some point. So, you know, I started going to the South shore and going to the uh, inlets and stuff like that. And I just started off, you know, no fish finder, um, using Navionics on my phone. And I was just like looking for good bottom stuff that I thought like a, a flounder would sit in. Cause that's what the season was. It was the summer now. And, uh, you know, didn't really catch much at first, but once I figured out what, the areas that they like to hang out in and you know i would drop a pin down on the apple navionics on i started catching a lot of fish and that's when it got even worse because now i was fishing five days a week six days a week you know getting no sleep just to depri- completely depriving myself of sleep and nutrients because all i wanted to do was just keep learning like i think as much fun as I was having, I think also having the new learning experience was just as rewarding because you learn, and still to this day, I learn little things every time. But when I just jumped into it and just started going for it, it was like, oh, I'm learning. You see Frank's 17 pounder? 
I did. I figured that's oh. what you were talking about earlier. That thing's a giant, a massive monster. Did he release it? Yeah, yeah. I thought. I thought so. We always do. All of us. Anything yeah. over ten, we always let that go. Oh, Frank, seventeen pounder. Is that what you were talking about? Yeah, he heard, he heard it. Yeah, yeah. That fish was Jay Leno. That thing was hilarious. That's a uh, that's a beast of a fish. Like yeah. they like they get to like a different. I hate to say another species of fish, but like it's just such a complete. It's a it's another fish. Like oh, hundred percent. That's most species too. If you you catch sheep's head all day, right? You'll get five, six, seven pounders. They they're like okay. As soon as you hit that 10, 12 pounder, now it's a totally different fish. It looks different. It's uglier. And I mean, it's it's same thing with striped bass too. You no, know, you get that twenty pounder, the thirty pounder, forty pound bass, right? They all kind of look the same, but if you ever put your hands on a fifty, like a real true fifty. It's yeah. a, the tail on it, the face on everything. Just it's a complete different fish. It just looks like a massive monster. Yeah, I love it, dude. The uglier and the bigger, the better. That's awesome. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, so, uh, so here's the thing: why blackfish? Like, why do you enjoy what? What do you enjoy most about blackfish? Um, what is well, it that keeps you coming back for them more than I would say any other species? Like the addiction. Oh, I mean. I am addicted to fishing, but I'm like actually addicted to blackfish. Like when I wake up in the morning, like nine times out of 10, I'm thinking about blackfish, especially during blackfish season. But mm -hmm. even when I'm fluke fishing, I'm like, dang, I want to be blackfish. And um, I think it's like, well, one, how we were talking about like the peace of mind and the, the focus, like mm -hmm. when you're blackfishing, all your energy and your mind, in my, like, in my opinion, if you want to be successful at it. And I'm not an expert by any means. There's way better fishermen than me. But just for me, if your mind's not in it and you're not focused and just living in the present, just in that moment right there, then you might as well be fishing for something else because you all, it's just, like I said, living in the moment. So it's you versus a fish. And I think like it's a, it's really, it's a really personal form of fishing. Like, um, there's something like ancient about it. It's like, I guess what like a deer hunter would be like, cause you're, yeah. you're just waiting for that one shot to swing yeah. on that fish. Yeah. That's when it comes up, up, you're like, Oh my goodness. I like, I caught that thing. Like it's, it's personal. It's a very humbling fishery. Like mm -hmm. you can go out one day and smoke them. And then the next day you're like, dude, I'm doing everything wrong. Like everything I thought that I knew, nah, throw it out the window. Like, and it's like starting from, it's like starting from scratch, like at the beginning of every trip, like you never know what you're going to get. So yeah. like I said, I think it's, it's a person, very personal form of fishing and uh, it's you versus the fish, which I like. It's like the hunt. It's, it's addicting for sure. Sometimes I find yeah, like it as a said, sometimes I find it as a cult, and then like Tyler's just Tyler's just barely scratching the surface right now. He's not going to understand the obsession when he gets in. He's liking togging now, but he's going to like togging when he gets really into togging. And I think black fishermen are a cult. I really do because there are some really crazy black fishermen or black anglers out there that are just obsessed with them day in and day out. That's all they care about. And then yeah. they'll stand there in February in negative degree weather, snow and ice on the decks, holding that rod at perfectly still, not bouncing the sinker and just their weight. And then 
There's no, there's barely a bite on it. They'll wait all day for that one right bite for that one right fish. It's insane. Yeah. It's dedication for sure. Like, I mean, I'm not saying that guys who like the blackfish are crazy or, but like you said, like it's like a cult type fishery. Like, no sane person wants to stand there on a boat no. in the mid Atlantic when it's the air temperature is like 28 degrees and mm -hmm. the water temperature is like in the 40s. Like, exactly. Um, yeah, you gotta be crazy. I think, I think that, you're not wrong for calling them crazy. You know, when your guides are frozen and your lines frozen, you can't feel your feet and you can't feel your fingers and your ears are, and nose are about to fall off, but you're still standing there with that crab in the water waiting. Yeah. I think it goes it, like, I think it goes back to like the, how bad do you want it to like, mm -hmm. it's it's you versus that fish and you got to be in the moment. Like, and it might sound crazy, but I love that. Like I want my feet, my toes to be cold. Like I love when my fingers, like I can barely feel my fingers. Like there's ice on the guides. Like, cause that in that moment, it's like, you know, how bad do I want it? Like, yeah. am I going to go sit in the cabin and, you know, drink a cup of coffee or am I going to stand out here? And even though we might not be catching anything like, all right, yeah, we only, you know, had, 11 keepers 12 keepers which you know is still a decent day but you know um there's just something that like like this little voice in the back of your head that's like don't leave the rail drop another mm -hmm. crab. even when the captain like is like all right guys reel them up you're like now nah, leave your leave your crab down there you can be get the it. last one be the last one just wait the last minute just even when he's like driving the boat like starts to pull away i'm like yeah, but, I, you know, he might hit it. That one fish might hit it right when the boat starts to pull away. And you know what? I've caught some decent fish before. Like, the engine start, he starts to yeah. pull, and then I'm on a fish, and he's like, great, now I got to stay while this kid reels up. But, you know, there's just something. Um, I don't know how to describe it. Yeah, it's just yeah. a very special fishery. It is. Yeah, I mean, like you said, it, it definitely takes a lot of dedication. If you think you're a patient angler and you haven't talked fish before, try that and then you know your level of patience will you'll have a new gauge of how much of a patient person and a patient uh angler you are but you know going back to what you said also the idea that you really have to clear your mind you know if you want to be successful at tog fishing you can't be sitting there waiting on something to strike your crab and just let your mind wander and start daydreaming because you're going to miss bites. You're going to miss fish. You really have to just be laser focused and totally clear your head of everything. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I'm, I'm just as guilty of it. Like as much as I just sit here and say like, you know, um, Oh yeah, you got to be completely focused and you got to be living in the moment. I'm, I'm guilty of, you know, sitting there. It's a beautiful day. The weather's it's 60 degrees and, October at the beginning of November I'm in a t-shirt and like you know you you if you get caught up in just trying to catch the big fish too then like I said like it's got to be fun still at the end of the day yeah so if you can't sit there and you know have a conversation with the guys too or you know let loose a little bit and you know crack a few jokes if you're just taking it so serious that the it's not fun for you anymore then I think I don't want to say you're doing it for the wrong reasons, but if you're not having fun, what's the point? Like, yeah, I'm, I'm not, I don't want to compete with other people. You know, I don't need the glory or anything like that. It's, you know, setting goals for myself and trying to accomplish them. 
And, you know, like we said, like I said, you know, you hold yourself to an expectation that you want to go out and accomplish these goals. And if you don't, you might be upset. But at the end of the day, the, the takeaway from it is, man, did I did I enjoy today? Did I enjoy the day? Did I have fun? Did I learn something new? And I think if you could say yes to all of those questions, then, I mean, it doesn't matter if you caught a double digit fish. It doesn't matter if you caught your limit. Just you know, you're out there having fun and doing it for the right reasons. And I think that's more important than catching the double digit fish. And as much as I do love seeing the double digit fish come up, even if I don't catch one, I just love seeing them. But if you can say yes to all those things that I have fun, that I learned something new, was I out there for the right reasons, then I think um, you're going to have a long, successful fishing career. Even if you might not consider yourself good, just getting back out there all the time and trying is, you know, at least 90% of it, just going, putting the time and trying. So Most I think that's a huge part of it. Most definitely. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. I mean, you know, who doesn't love catching a double digit? But at the same time, if I go out there and I just catch a couple decent ones throughout the day and get into a good bite, I'm going to be just as happy with that too. Yeah, mm -hmm. definitely. So how do you like to target TOG from the kayak? You know, we talked about how much you love TOG and, and your addiction to kayak fishing. Um, how do you like to go out there and catch these TOG on the kayak? Definitely when I'm fishing from the kayak, I like fishing um, the jig. You know, if I'm on the kayak, um, I'd say 90% of the time when I'm fishing for them, it's with a jig. As light mm -hmm. as I can get, you know, as light as jig as I can get down there and, you know, hold the bottom and not be getting swept around everywhere through the current um, but real quick before doing we get into this jig bite um so you're from long island so you're gonna fish like the long island sound south side yep. north side right so it's a lot different from for our listeners it's a lot different from what we do here in jersey uh most of the time not a, a good amount of time we're fishing uh i mean early season yeah we're fishing 40 feet of water right something like that and as winter time now we're fishing anywhere between 60 to 100 feet 120 feet of water so the majority of the time it's gonna be uh rigs for us right heavy eight ten ounce rigs um yeah. how is your water and 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 uh depth and also structure you know that you could be able 90 percent of the time to fish jigs so the areas that i like to fish um up here in long island on the long island sound i would say i fish from i typically spend most of my time out east and out east they have a very good um natural rocky bottom mm-hmm like, especially, you know, areas like Connecticut and Rhode Island are even better, but up in the part of the sound that I have, I'm starting my season in 10 to 12 feet. Yeah. Then shallower sometimes. Yeah. That, that, that's jig, that's jig work, that's jig land all day. And oh, okay. you guys got like boulder fields, right? That's what I always hear about, like the, uh, like that area, Rhode Island, Connecticut, and the New York, the sound and stuff. You guys are majority, your, your structure there is just boulders big boulders little boulders boulder fields you guys don't have like big wrecks right um not when you get in out into the middle sound and more of the connecticut side yeah there's a decent amount of wrecks but anything that i would be targeting in my kayak yeah there's not really any wrecks it's all boulder fields like a couple giant boulders in the middle of nowhere but yeah. like you'd be surprised um you know just these three boulders like that are you know, a mile away from anything else. Like you're like, there's, they're not going to be holding anything, but you get on top of them and it's just like a lights out. Every fish coming up is like 17, 18 inches. And like, you're just lighting them up with a jig and like 20 feet of water for like two hours long. And the bites don't stop coming either. So 
it's that's definitely what, a very special that's fisher. What, that's what Tyler likes. Tyler likes that drop and reel all day. He he doesn't like to he doesn't want to wait more than like 30 minutes for a bite. He's like, I like to drop, hit, and go. Yeah, I want the action. I want a hot bite. Yeah, who doesn't? Who doesn't? But I mean, uh oh yeah. That that beginning of the season, that's the best. So I'm in fishing like 15 feet of water, maybe when I'm getting into later into mid-October. Because uh, it opens October 11th for the uh, Long Island Sound. And, yeah. um, you know, I'm starting shallow. I'm fishing, you know, if I can get a quarter-ounce jig down, and if I'm fishing somewhere where there's, like, a slack tide or the tide doesn't really move, I'll try and get it down. But most of the time, I'm fishing, like, a half-ounce to three-quarters. Oh, that's, that's too fun, half-ounce half ounce jigs. So, uh, currently, what's, what's, what's your jig setup right now? Like, what's, what's your... What's my jig setup? So, right now, I'm fishing... A seven six tsunami medium action with a five thousand stratic. You fishing so, the, the the carbon the carbon shield, or you fishing like a yeah. trophy or something? No, the carbon shield, carbon Car- shield too. Okay. Um, usually, I use a jigging world rod, but I broke it, and I just needed something from a tackle shop really quick yeah. to go pick up, and that's kind of just what I've been using for the end of the kayak season, and um. I mean, don't 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 underestimate those rods, though, man. I I I used to fish them a lot, and yeah. for bang for the buck, they were some quality solid rods. Those carbon shield twos, super yeah, solid rods. Definitely. I I actually originally bought the rod to um, snap jig with. Mm-hmm. One of my favorite thing, one of my favorite ways to target the stripers up here on the North Shore and the South Shore is snap jigging super light bucktails, like quarter ounce. Um, eighth ounce if i can get an eighth ounce down with the weight of the plastic and like half ounce bucktails it's a super mm-hmm. satisfying um, um way to target the stripers and uh i just needed something to drop a, a blackfish jig down with the one day and i you know, started using it and it's been working for me ever since so I just stuck with it very cool yeah anything tyler no, I think that kind of covers. Um, oh, well, the one thing I was going to ask about how you like to target uh, tog on your kayak is, do you have a bait preference? You know, like I know some guys will go from green crabs to white leggers, and maybe some other guys even use sand fleas certain times a year. So, what do you like as far as your bait preference? When the season first starts, like October, it's the first like couple weeks, like maybe the first week or two. I'll try and get down to the beach at night and shine a spotlight down on the boulder fields. And at low tide, I'll just try and go pick up as many of the uh, little like mud or fiddler crabs as I can. Cause when I'm fishing those like pilings and rocks in like 10, 10 to 12 feet of water, that's like predominantly like the crab that they're going to see. I feel like, um, especially the areas that I fish, but as the, you know, season progresses, um, I typically just fish green crabs and if I can find white crabs later in the season, um, I'll definitely try and g- get them. But I'd say like 90% of the tackle shops up here are just going to have green crabs mostly, especially when you get out East, there's not as many tackle shops. So yeah. you're kind of limited in your choices as to what you can get. And uh, so I'd say green crabs mostly. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I think yeah, that's I think mostly you... what I have experience with, but at the same time, I was kind of surprised that you said fiddler crabs. I wasn't really thinking that. I, I oh, don't yeah. think I don't think they're fiddlers, um, Tyler. I think he's catching the Asian shore crabs because they're black. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's kind of spots. Right. Yeah, oh, the, okay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, fiddlers. I think they're I think they're crossovers like like mid mid north mid Jersey somewhere around there. 
Okay. Yeah, anything yeah. north north there, you won't find any fiddlers. But yeah, I think he's talking about either mud crabs or the uh, the Asian shore crabs. Yeah, little mud crabs. You know, I'll find them in the marshes and in between the rocks and stuff. And yeah, the Asian shore crabs. Yep, that's it. Yeah, and definitely with with the the water shallow the shallow water he fishes most of the time. I mean, I think green crabs is going to be the the beta choice. White leggers, for some reason, I find that they they they're really well in like they work really well in like cold months like right now and in yeah. deep water and in deep water i mean not saying yeah. they won't feed white leggers in shallow water but majority of the the population of tog right now are in deeper waters and that's the majority of what their food out there is is white uh -huh. leggers on the wrecks yep. definitely cool well how about um i know that in addition to fishing on your own uh from your kayak you also like to do some trips on charter boats or party boats for tog um, what are some of the ones that you've been on or what are some of the, uh, the regular boats that you go out on when you're not, you know, fishing on your own kayak? Um, man, I don't really, I haven't really fished as many head boats as I used to when I first started saltwater fishing. Um, and I kind of like made a deal with myself that during the summer months and the spring months, and even in the early fall, when the kayak, when kayak fishing is the most viable option, when, you know, i Cause I spent a, not that, you know, it's not that it's a lot of money, but the old town autopilot, it's an expensive kayak. And, yeah. um, you know, I definitely try to get my full use out of it just because, you know, it was an investment and that's my first love. I love being out there on the kayak, but when it gets to like the later months, you know, for blackfish, you know, the, the, uh, they kind of move out of range a little bit. Cause when I got to go start fishing that really deep, structure and you know the deeper boulder fields the current's ripping out there and yeah spot lock doesn't hold up as well for the kayak and uh that's when i'll start to jump on boats probably like end of october through the end of the season that's when i do a lot of the uh, boat trips and uh a boat that i fish on a little couple times a season up in uh rhode island that's one of my favorite places to go target blackfish is uh newport sport fishing charters Captain Robbie Taylor, uh, you know, I'm very fortunate to be able to have the opportunity to fish on a boat with a captain like that. I mean, like I said, learning something new every time, like that's one of the guys who is a legend up there. So, you know, if he says something or if he says to try something, I try and do it and just pay attention to what the other people on the boat are doing because I'm just always trying to learn and get better and just, you know, um, and maximize my time on the water so use it to the best of my ability um so i fish with him quite a bit and uh not really too many other boats i'll go hit the uh viking fleet up in uh montauk they have mm. some pretty good boats out there and uh this past season this past full year was the first time i really did like a lot of boat trips my um one of my buddies, um, Daphne, Daphne Forrester, she's in her own respects, a legend up in Rhode Island too. She's one of the best fisher men, fisher women I've ever met, you know, and, uh, she can outfish anybody. I mean, and I mean that with all due respect to the best anglers on the East coast, you put her on a boat with with people and she's going to outfish all the guys. And, uh, she's going to make you look like a chump sometimes too. So, very thankful to her. She gets me a lot of the um, dates and the trips that I get to go on. And uh, this year she was able to hook me up and uh, we went, I went up to uh, Nantucket for two days and tried the Nantucket, Nantucket fluke fishery. And um, 
that was awesome. You know, we have pretty good fluke fishing up here, but you know, you see like a 19, 20 inch, 22 inch fish. You're like, Oh man, those are some nice fish. But I mean, you go up there and like every fish that hits the deck is like 24, 25, 26, 27 inches. And then the jumbo. So it's like just a whole nother world, another aspect of fishing. And, um, that was extremely cool. Definitely looking forward to maybe going up there and doing that again. And then, um, I went cod fishing in Massachusetts this year and uh, out of uh, South Yarmouth. And I think that I wasn't even really expecting too much. Like I was just like, you know, my experience with cod fishing is like catching cod at Block Island while I'm black fishing pretty much. So like if you catch like a 10 pound cod or like a 28 inch cod out there, you're like, that thing is huge. Like, oh my goodness. And then uh, I went up there and I was like, yeah, whatever. I'm just here to fish and have fun. Whatever, whatever I catch is what I catch. And uh, like the first, the first drift we caught, like caught and released like 20 fish. And like the second fish I caught for the day was like a 20 pound, 35, 36 inch plus cod out of like 200 feet of water. I'm like pumping the thing up. I'm like, what is this thing? Like I saw it. I was like, oh man, now that's a cod. Like those are like, not, it's not the 60 pounders you see them catching in Norway and uh, mm-hmm. across the Atlantic, but man, like it was just lights out fishing. So that was a super fun trip. Like some of the most like savage drifts and fishing I've ever done. Just everybody tight at the same time. Um, the cod getting stolen by the poor beagles and stuff at the boat, messing around with the blue shark. So that was a really fun time. And, uh, you know, got offshore for the first time this year too. And that was something cool watching the sunrise 60 miles out and eventually ending up like 110 miles offshore. Um, there's just something about it. Like I know I keep saying it's in another world, but that is truly like when you get to that offshore mark, whatever you want to call it, 60 to hundred miles, I guess um, you are putting a lot of faith in your boat, a lot of faith in the technology you have. And yeah. uh, it comes down to like, how much do you love it? Do you want to be stuck four hours offshore chasing tuna? And uh, this year was my first experience with it. And just like the togging, I think I'm going to get addicted to that really quickly because there's just something special about that fishery as well. So yeah, I had a lot of good trips this year and I'm thankful for all the friends and good people I've met. Like, I don't think there was one person on one boat where I was like, man, I don't, you know, I don't really like that guy, but everyone was super cool. And, you know, I find that's, that's one of the cool things about, you know, you know, the fishery in the Northeast, like maybe a lot of people think it's tough or, you know, there's a lot of, you know, uh, a lot of characters in the fishery, but so far in my experience, everyone I met has been really cool and friendly to me and, I've had a lot of great opportunities and experiences this year. So I think I'm just thankful mostly. It's been a great year for me. That's great to hear. I'm glad you mentioned about the cod too, because that was on my list to ask you about. That cod was a big one. And I know we don't, we, don't, we haven't talked about cod fishing too much. So uh, it was cool to, to get to hear you uh, tell that story. Oh yeah, that was, that was probably one of the most fun trips that I've ever been on. Like, especially because I was fishing uh, the slow pitch setup for most of it. And that's mm. a really, really fun way to target, you know, those deep bottom dwelling fish. And 
even for like bass with the flutter spoons on the slow pitch. It's just so satisfying to see like that little piece of spaghetti just like completely doubled over and (laughs) like, how is this thing not snapped yet? But it just keeps going. So that's a really fun way to target those big fish. Um, I had a lot of fun on that trip. Yeah. Awesome. I want to go back to Tog for just a second. Um, I, I can't move on without asking you, what is your personal best Tog? Oh man. My personal best is about 12 and a half, 12 and a half pounds. Um, like 27 inches long. It was a long skinny fish, but I mean, I'll never forget like holding that fish in my hands. Like I just posted a picture of it on Instagram the other day. Like just like we said earlier, like it just is another fish. Like, and especially three years ago, like, you know, I was just this pretty much a kid, still I'm a kid who had no idea like what saltwater fishing had to offer. And like, I was just, you know, going for it, jumping all in. And then three years later, I'm holding this fish that like, literally you could like fit a couple of the little 12 inches I was catching off the jetty. Like it could swallow like five of those things. Like I'm just holding it in my hands and I was just amazed. I was so thankful. Like it was just, yeah, 12 and a half pounds. It was a good fish. And uh, I've caught a couple other double digit fish from like pushing 10, 11 pounds, but that was my biggest from boat. And the biggest on the kayak is nine, just under nine pounds, like 8.14 ounces and uh, um, 24 inches. So that was another good fish. That that was a good highlight for me this year. I, I was happy with that. You seen that one fish, that 23-pounder caught off the kayak, right? Up in your area somewhat? Oh, yeah, that's uh, Sunrise. Sunrise, kayak. yeah. Yeah, yeah. He's, uh, that guy is an incredible fisherman. He is super knowledgeable, super friendly. Anytime I had any questions or needed some advice, he was quick to answer. And, uh, yeah, he's a really good guy. Um, Could you imagine pulling one of those into your lap on the kayak? <laughs> no, man. I, I really can't. Like, because even when I caught, like, that one that was like 24 inches and nine pounds. Like I'm sitting there with it in my lap and I'm like, dude, this is insane. Like just a really uh, cool, cool experience. And uh, I can't even imagine what one 23 pounds feels like even to fight. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Especially in shallow water around, around freaking structure. And I figured you're going to be using some pretty kind of like, not light gear, but like light braid and something that massive. It's like, holy cow. It'll, be, it'll probably be a sleigh ride. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's like bringing a knife to a gunfight. Like, exactly. Everything has to go right for you, and you just got to be focused and be on your toes, ready to swing, I guess. And yeah. he got him. So, yeah, that's an incredible fish. So, Caught anything else you want to no. hit on about tog fishing before we move mm-hmm. on? No, I am good. I am definitely good. I'd like to get one day for us to get up there and uh, do some uh, togging up there. And I mean, shallow water jigging that's like something i'm obsessed with you know 60 100 feet of water i'm like eh, okay but it's something about fishing light tackle for togs it, it 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 gets me i love it like i do it a lot during the during the spring so yeah like you said you do a lot of uh sheep, sheep's head fishing right a lot yeah man that's that's definitely a fishery i kind of want to dive into more this summer I, I went down and tried fishing for some sheep's head yeah, and fleas the one day, and I mean, I got smoked. I mean, if you it, like, I this is the same thing I talk on every podcast. Whoever wants to get into it, if you're ever in South Jersey visiting family or something like that, you know, hit me up if you want to make a trip out. You know, my boat's always down there and always has an open seat for everybody. So just hop on, just give me a call. Sounds, sounds good. I'm gonna hold you to that. Oh, 100. I, I, 
which I, I thought tog was hard yeah until i started sheepshead fishing i've had i have i've had some of the best tog fishermen on my boat jigging for sheepshead and they've been humbled so i i, I tell people i was like you can be the most incredible tog fisherman in the world but once you get into this whole sheep ordeal that they're gonna humbleize you like crazy so oh yeah i, I firmly believe that because i went down there and spent a whole day on my kayak jumping around pilings and bridges i was like are they is there something biting on it i was like it's just not it's different completely different it's and it's 100 yeah but it's it's yeah it's another another it's a, uh, it's a whole another tactic you know it's not whatever you learn about tog you pretty much toss it out the window because it yeah, has nothing to do with it yeah so cool so yeah i look forward to it, man this year if you had to make some time come down we'll fish yeah vice versa too if you guys ever want to get up here let me know i'll be happy to take you guys out cool i mean, I mean i'll awesome. be up i'll be up there this week but we're not fishing <laughs> yeah no there's not much running right now except the white perch so <laughs> well let's talk about uh fluke fishing you mentioned before how you like fluke um you know i know you talked about going up to nantucket i've done a couple of those trips but you've caught some really incredible fluke from your kayak and from the boat so uh maybe tell us a little bit more about some of your fluke fishing experiences hmm uh fluke fishing i mean it's really good up here last season wasn't as good as the two prior seasons i'd say but Still pretty decent. Um, I've caught some pretty decent sized fluke from my kayak. Um, biggest one is twenty five inches, which is a which is a nice fish. Um, That's a good one. Yeah, on light tackle, like yeah, it's it's man. When they get to that size, they they have. I mean, I know it's like a very cliche phrase, but they have shoulders. Like they have yeah. they another. Sit. Go ahead. No, they sit on the bottom. They don't want to come up. That's exactly what it is. Yeah, Especially it's like fun. setting into a cinder block. Like mm -hmm. it doesn't want to move. So it's it's a really it's a lot of fun. Um I I do a lot of fishing for fluke on the South Shore actually. Um, like around the Fire Island Inlet area. Um early in the season, they run in there and they run in there in, in numbers. Like the season prior to this one, I mean, I would go out there and I would have like a limit of 20 inch fluke you know, four, four, four fish up here in New York at the time. And, uh, I'd have it in like 45 minutes. And then, you know, it's like, well, what do I do? Like the rest of the time, like, cause usually you're used to like struggling to catch a limit or like, man, I'm like looking for, you know, that one more keeper or something, but it was just lights out fishing. And, uh, it was, it was awesome. This past season was a little bit slower, but I still got into some nice fish. Um, 24 incher was the biggest this last season and uh man um the way i prefer to target them is just a single single jig on the bottom no teaser i think the teaser you're gonna not saying that a big fish is won't hit the teaser i've seen big fish come up on the teasers when i bring my buddies with me who have no idea what they're doing you know they catch the big fish of the day but i think the bigger fish are gonna hone in on that single profile bait just a little bit more you're gonna weed out the smaller 16 17 inch fish for 17 inches as a keeper in jersey but you know you're gonna weed out those fish sometimes um but i just think it's a much more productive way to fish and target you know the personally the fish that i'm looking for anything when they get to like 20 inches that's when i'm like yeah that, that's a nice fluke like i would you know really like to catch another one of those so I think that's the most productive way for me and uh say the colors that i use the most are 
probably like Pink Shine. Pink Shine kills it up here. Like if you don't know anything about fluke fishing and you want to catch fluke, you just come up here with a thing of a bucket of Pink Shine six inch <laughs> grubs and you're going to catch fluke. Like it's sometimes it's hard, but most of the time I feel like fluking is just like stupid, easy, fun fishing. Like you're just sitting there hanging out. You don't really have to be like totally into it. Like I'm just sitting there days and off, like just making sure my, my presentations near the bottom fast, fast couple of twitches every once in a while, check the bottom, make sure I'm not getting caught up. And uh, yeah, you know, when a fluke hits because they smack that thing hard too mm-hmm. on the single file. Yeah. So for me, that's the most productive and fun way to target them. Definitely. Very cool. Yeah. For me, I enjoyed so much because, well, not only did I grow up doing it and that's the first fish I learned how to catch, but at the same time, uh, you know, like a lot of the freshwater fishing I do with, with bass and other things, it's kind of like, it's kind of like finesse fishing for me in saltwater. You know, sometimes they can really be on it and other times they can be just super, super finicky, you know, and yeah. you really got to really try to work them to get them to bite good. Definitely. All right. I got to ask this question for our listeners. Since you fished that his same waters, have you ever run into John Skinner? Have I ever run into John Skinner? No, besides the Ward Ward uh, Ward Melville fishing show. Okay, but, yeah. I mean that guy is a legend in his own respects. Like he should have a boat sponsorship. He should he should have something. I mean he's as in when I first started fishing up here as like a new angler to saltwater fishing. Like he helped me learn exponentially. Like just watching his videos and seeing what he did, like, I know a lot of guys, maybe they think like, ah, oh, he's kind of like a sellout maybe, but like for someone who's a new fisherman or just getting started or just looking to learn, like his videos are definitely, you know, you're going to learn by watching him. He breaks things down well. So he helped me learn a lot. And then as I, you know, got more confident with the fishing up here, I developed my own style and, uh, I took what I learned from him and applied it to some things and then the things that I learned on my own and other anglers, I applied it to that. So yeah, John Skinner, that dude's a legend and uh, definitely thankful for some of the videos he has out because it helped me a lot. So yeah, I honestly don't think people like that are sellouts. It's uh, I mean, it's our responsibility as older anglers that's been doing this for a very long time. It's just to try to bring up the next education of the next anglers, you know, that 10 year old, that 12 year old growing up, you know, we have to teach them. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Nowadays, everything makes it so easy. YouTube, they can search all this stuff, you know, but at the same time, it's more about personal experience. You know, you can, they can only read so much, watch so much video than a personal experience from you. You know, like yeah. I always make an effort to try to get a few kids on my boat a year so I can just pretty much teach them, you know, educate them, not just about fishing, but like wildlife and things we see out there on while we're on the water. So, I mean, like I said, as, as anglers, it's our job to be able to educate and, teach these younger anglers as they're growing up you know especially the fact of catch and release you know why do you do that why do we teach them this you know why do we teach it to preserve the fishery things like that because if we don't educate them they'll just learn from others that like oh you need to kill everything you catch throw it in the cooler and that'll be that you know what i mean so i feel that it's not our job as anglers in this you know in this sporting sport to be a gatekeeper and not and not help yeah we're not going to say okay well x here's my coordinates go there and fish you'll catch all the fish you want Uh, you know for us it's just we lead them we lead them to the water and then let them drink and then they'll be able to find their own way later 100 percent, i agree with that you know it's not like you said it's just teaching the right things on 
to mm. the to the next generation of fishermen and uh you know i'm still completely new to it really and you know there's guys that have been fishing their entire lives up here and who have been really good to me um like one of the first guys i fished with up here is um you know retired marine and uh he's like old enough to be my dad and he was super kind to me and took me under his wing and probably showed me some spots that he shouldn't have showed me and pissed some people off by doing that. But, you know, um, it, it comes down to, uh, you know, preserving the, the fisheries that we love and uh, teaching the right way to do things and just being friendly to each other. And you know, I think as long as you're doing those things and you're, you're putting people on the right path. So I'm thankful for him. You know, that's, it was really cool. So nice. It's awesome. How about, uh, before we move off of fluke, what do you like to use for your fluke setup? For my fluke setup, I use a pretty light setup. I have a, uh, St. Croix triumph, um, uh, light setup. I think it's rated for like eight to 12 pounds and I'm using a, uh, 3000 size uh battle dx i was using i prefer before this season i really preferred to use um a slow pitch setup when i targeted <clears throat> targeted fluke i would use a uh, lexa 300 um hp and uh a palmarius slow pitch rod and uh i think the slope the slow pitch rods are a super underutilized rod for fluke fishing um i i think now it's starting to catch on like you mentioned john skinner he's got that john skinner um bouncer some bouncing something rod but mm -hmm. it's just a super light touchy almost replicates a slow pitch rod so i think um they're a little soft maybe that's why some guys don't like them but i think that soft rod if you're constantly you know, keeping weight on the lure, if you are doing like a fast twitch method, you're always going to know what that weight feels like repetitively on the bottom. Like, especially if you're doing a quick, so like tap, 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 let it rest, fine bottom, tap, tap. And fluke, they remind me of pickerel. Um, that's kind of how I think I'm fishing for them. Like, because pickerel, they want things they, they, they can't have. Like, if you toss a minnow to the bank and you start cranking it, or or if you just leave it there right the pickerel kind of just like look at it like eh, i don't know but if you start moving the minnow away from him slowly he's like oh why is that thing trying to get away from me I'm like no i i want that so even you know you, you got to entice them to eat so i think that super quick tapping like that tap 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 that replicates a, a small bait fish if you watch like a bait fish move it comes like it's and it goes back to like the um snap jig a little bit like bait fish they don't move slowly on the bottom like they're not like uh like you know relaxed swimming on the bottom they're always on their toes they're moving around they're trying to avoid predators their movements are sharp they're fast so i'll twitch the rod quicker because i think that emulates more of what a bait fish is doing down there they're trying to get away they're moving quickly they're um trying to stay on the move and i think fluke kind of like that i think they they see something trying to get away they're like oh that must be something i'm supposed to eat you know it's like just built into their dna they want to go attack it so, so for me i think that's how i catch them the most when i'm doing that so that yeah, makes sense i mean you've seen the videos and i've seen it 
in person, you know, just fishing from shore in clear water, like they'll follow you forever. They will follow yeah. a bait for the longest period of time and just, you know, either just chase it right behind it or they'll nip at it a little bit. So now that makes sense what you're saying, trying to like get it moving, get it away from them, make them chase it and make them want to come up and strike it. Yeah, definitely. Like you want them to think, I mean, I don't know how you want them to think, but me personally, it's like, Oh, I got to get this thing away from them. So they come eat it. Like the more I can make it look like a bait fish down there or like replicate the movements and every day is different. Some days they, you know, are hitting it on the drop or they like it slower. But for me, I have the most success when I'm doing those fast twitches near the bottom. Definitely keep it moving. Don't, don't just sit there and, you know, a dead stick will work and you'll catch fish, but keep it moving, be engaged, and you'll definitely catch fish. Good stuff. Well, I have to ask you about your weak fish catches because, honestly, the first time I ever came across your, your Instagram was not the tog that your Instagram <laughs> is named after. It is the yeah, giant yeah. weak fish that you've been catching. Tell us a little bit more about your experiences with the weak fish. Oh, man. So – that this past year was like probably one of the best seasons for weak fish that a lot of guys I talked to remember in like the last like 15 years up here. Um, and like props to that guy, Jose, he, he told me, he's like, yeah, you should go try the spot. I've had some good luck there before. And I was like, yeah, you know, whatever, I'll drive out East and try it. And uh, I'll try not to burn the spot. Um, but uh, man, it was just lights out fishing this year. Like you'd show up some days and my work schedule, I work three to 11 in the city. Um, so I have like the weekday mornings are like my favorite times to fish because there's no one else on the water and I'll show up to the spot I want to fish and there's no one there on the drift that I want to do. And I've showed up a couple of times and I mean, they were stacked like 35, 40 feet off the bottom and 70 feet of water. Like, you're, you're looking at your fish finder and you're like, is there something wrong with this thing? Because all you see is like the hard line from where the bottom would be and then red. And you're like, no, man, those are all fish. Like you drop into them and it doesn't even hit the bottom and it gets smoked like three times before you're on a fish. And like every fish I was reeling up, some days were like, there wasn't a fish smaller than six pounds, like a six pound, 24 inch weak fish. And like, Man, if I normally like would catch that in like the middle of the summer, I would be like, "Oh yeah, that's a nice weak fish," you know. But you know, there were some uh, definitely some. I wouldn't call them tide runners because I heard I, you know you hear stories about weak fish that used to be like fifteen pounds over 30, thirty inches thirty long. inches, yeah, yeah, like 34, 35 inch weak fish, and like man, like that's a big fish. But I caught a couple that were you know just over eight pounds or just under eight pounds and 29, 30 inches long. And a couple of those days, every fish was like seven or eight pounds almost. So yeah, it's, I, don't, I, I don't know what it is, but like, it's like the weak fish totally miss us in Jersey. Totally. Yeah. And then they, they arrive in like the sound in like droves of schools. It's just, you run over piles and piles and piles of big fish. Like, I don't know what it is. I mean, we'll go, guys around here they'll, they'll catch a few you know you'll get they'll get a couple of six, we'll get like a week or two of like you know six seven eight pound fish right and then then that'll be it you won't find yeah. anything else. you'll find little ones around here and there and then but then like like i see videos and i talk to guys too that, that fish is the same water as you do and they're just like do it's carpets and carpets of like big weekies 
Yeah, like, and they're super fired up, super aggressive. Like, if you can find the school and you can and stick with them, like, especially when they're locked in on a key area where the current's moving quick, mm-hmm. that's where my best fights have been, where the current's, like, really moving fast. And, like, you're probably getting, as soon as you set up on the drift, you're probably getting maybe 30 seconds before your drift's over. But if you get it in front of their face, like, they're just going to hammer it. And a big weak fish, like those 28, 29, 30-inch weak fish, like they're pulling drag. Oh, yeah. They're they're not, you know, they're not like the 19, 20-inch fish where, you're, you know, they're still fun to fight, but you're kind of like horsing them in. Like these fish are pulling drag. Like what, what do I have on here? Slot striper? Like they fight really good. So especially on that slow pitch setup. I love that slow pitch setup. It's makes every fish feel like a giant almost. So it's, it's a lot of fun. Well, I'm going to give you credit. I know you didn't want to quite call them tide runners, but for today's weak fish fishery in 2023, 2024, what most people experience compared to years ago, I'm going to say that your fish are tide runners because they are big. Yeah, they're, they're decent-sized fish. I appreciate that. Yeah. Um, hope, hopefully uh, this spring we can uh, duplicate some of those fish, and maybe you guys can come up and you know, we'll, we'll try and get you guys on some. Yeah, yeah, that would be cool. Yeah, I'll, yeah, I'll, I'll, dra- I'll, dra- I'll drag my boat up. That's fine. Dude, I'm serious. That's one of the other best fisheries that we have up here that I'm about to mention. In the early, early spring, like on days that you don't think anything has moved in yet, we get monster, monster bluefish that move into the back bays oh. of the south shore of Long Island. Yeah. And I've been like, every single fish is like pushing 14 pounds. And like after like 30 minutes, you're like, man my arms hurt like it's like combat <laughs> fishing like if you're gonna trail your boat up here i'd say the weak fish bite in the spring is incredible and like if you just want to catch drag screaming giant bluefish then bring that boat up here too because yeah. that is some really fun fishing man i mean we used to get them in jersey just not anymore it just seems like everything migrated to you guys up there like everything from like bigger fluke Weak fish, gator blues. Now even yeah. the cobia, cobia, it's it. Cobia has gotten so big in that area in New York now that there's actually charters that can that are running charters for cobia. It's yeah, insane. Especially targeting them too. Like, I mean, like I don't know much because I just started, you know, really diving deep into saltwater fishing a couple of years ago, and I'm not an expert on anything that we're talking about. It's just my observations, but. It's like the we, the cobia that these guys are catching are like the ones you watch videos of on YouTube, like that the Florida and the Gulf guys are catching. Like they're just monsters and they're catching them with the consistency that, yeah, like guys, like you said, are like starting the charter. Just yeah, really cool the fishery that Long Island has to offer. Definitely. You know? I mean, you don't have to be a pro to catch cobia. We got Tyler over there called his first one this year. I don't what know. Man. He, he kills it. I always see this guy posting pictures of smallmouth and – I mean, smallmouth is a tough fishery to, to get down. So he's a uh, don't sleep on Tyler over there. You're you're too kind. You're too <laughs> kind. I gotta I gotta thank the captain of the boat that put me on that cobia, and uh, I gotta thank his his knot that held on for over an hour. Oh I'm, man, uh, I'm okay. Got it with that. It's okay. Wow. I, I I make I double check my knots every time before we we fish. So. All I'm going to say is I'm going to call it right now that you're going to get a Kobe on the kayak this year, but uh, do not try to do it with 10 pound braid. No, don't don't do it. Man. 
Don't do oh, that. That sounds like a lot of fun, though. <laughs> no, run, yeah. ch- run, chasing a t- chasing a fish around for an hour on ten pound braid on a light rod. No, that's not fun at all. <laughs> it's it's it's, it's it, it stresses you out, especially being the captain. I was gonna say the you you as the captain are probably stressed while he's up there having the time of his life. And oh, hundred percent, hundred percent. He kept yelling back like, "Can someone give me water?" Because some of the I was like, "No." <laughs> In my defense, it was one of those 97 degree days that we had in September, and it was like no breeze, no air. I'm eventually just like, guys, you're gonna have to help me out here. Like, get my water or something. Give me some water. I'm I'm dying here. You guys want me to get this thing in? You gotta help me out. Yeah, yeah man, that's, that, he was making you work for it, definitely. Oh, he was too. <laughs> that, I swear that Kobe got a second win. Like, oh yeah, I, got, I, gaff, I, gaff, I gaffed it once. I gaffed it once, and it jumped off the gaff and went back in. <laughs> man, that's awesome. That's definitely a fishery I'd love to experience. So that's really cool. You guys got to get. I mean, that's like a fish of a lifetime. A giant Kobe on ten pound braid. Yeah, fi- fifty five, cool fifty fifty three pounds on ten. Yeah, it's insane. Fifty five pounds, fifty six inches. Yeah, dude, yeah. that's that's awesome. That's really really cool. Can't yeah, go. that's sick. Thank you. That was that was nuts. Yeah, sure. but um, you kind of mentioned about the the bluefish a little bit. I was going to ask you: Are there any other species that you like to target in your area? I mean, you know, we get a good run of stripers. Uh, early in the spring, there's like, uh, one of the spots I like to fish. I go fish at night, and it's uh like pretty much a dock that's just lit up all night long. Like as soon as the sun goes down, the lights come on, and the stripers just destroy bait on it all night long. Like. You can just drive the kayak straight over top of them. They have they they don't care. Like the bait's there, it's going nuts. You see squids swimming around in the lights, and uh, definitely like to target the stripers on the snap jig. You know, I'll go there and have like nights where you catch like fifty slot fish, and you're like, all right, you know, this was fun, but my arms are starting to really hurt, and my 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 wrist has got carpal tunnel, like from locking up and stuff. So, um, definitely like the stripers and. The fluke is fun. I really like the Long Island Sound because, like, you can target big fluke keeper sea bass and, like, giant 20-inch porgies, like, all on the same pieces of structure that you're mm-hmm. going to be drifting at one point in the year. And, I mean, when you find, like, that one rock, like we were talking about, like, I'll go out with side scan and set it to 100 yards on each side and just – go explore new areas because there's rocks that are out there that aren't on Navionics. So, I mean, yeah. some days, you know, are just about going, exploring, trying new things and learning. So when you find that one rock though, and you pull up on it and there's the rock on the fish finder, and then you just see like millions of sea bass on top of it. You're like, all right, nice. Like they're going to fight good. Those 16, 17 inch knucklehead sea bass, you know, they pull some good drag and they fight hard, man. So I love that fishery up here. And, uh, man, there's nothing like a big hubcap porgy too. Like yeah. that thing is like, they're, I guess they're comparable to like how, uh, I, I don't want to say sheep's head because sheep's head, they're in their own class of pet. Yeah. I mean, I, I always tell guys, like, if you guys want to know what a sheep's head like, just imagine a porgy, a 10 pound porgy. That's, that's what it is. And you know, yeah. uh, you know, a two pound porgy will, rip drag with like yeah. no other so you mad yeah. you figured he's that porgy's 10 pounds how much how much power it has so sheep said it's exactly what that is 
Oh man, I can't even imagine. Definitely, I'm definitely gonna hold you too, taking me out on the boat for some sheep. That you're gonna have to school yeah. me on that. So yeah, most definitely. But uh, also another fish we got up there. I don't know if you got to tangle with them yet. Albies. Have you gotten into albies up there? Man, albies are like my arch nemesis on the North Shore. Like they, there are guys who have that fishery so dialed in from the kayak, and a lot of it is just being super patient. Like, yeah, it's, you know. Right place, no, right time. Right place, right, right time. Place, That's right all it is. You know, I'm definitely picking the days where the conditions are going to be in your favor. Mm -hmm. Like, not just going out there on a whim. Like, oh, I'm going to go drift for fluke. I'm going to go drift for some sea bass. Like, you have to be intently trying to catch them. And every time I have been in the right place or the right time or have tried to, like, I probably got, like, three good casts on them. Didn't yep. get one to eat, and then they're like a mile away from me, and I'm chasing yep. them. So sounds about right. I got Tyler into his first. Not he didn't get his first uh, Albi this year, but he got into his first froth and foam. He's seen it. Right. So. Oh man, that's got to be cool. Definitely. Yeah, it's crazy. You know, they go from the one day we saw him out there with Cobia, they were just blitzing so fast. I mean, you could barely even get a cast to him. And then you know, the second time we saw him, we were out striper fishing. They were just like they just stayed in one spot, and it was the exact opposite. But yeah, oh, they're, man. they're a crazy fishery, but I got to say, you know, it sounds like Long Island is a place that I've never yep. been to and I've never fished before, but I'm going to have to make a trip up there for something because it sounds incredible for saltwater anglers. The only pain in the ass part is trailing a boat through New York City to get up there. Oh, oh. Dude, I can't imagine that. I cannot even imagine That's that. going to suck. I'd yeah. have to leave at like midnight, right? Just to get past all the traffic first. So no, nothing's... Well, where are you coming from? Philly, you said, yeah. right outside of Philly? Yeah, right, right outside of Philly. So I'm going, I'm going to be coming up 95 through all that and then through the city. So, Yeah, you'd have to leave pretty early, definitely. Yeah, just to beat the city traffic. You know, like I said, midnight, get up there, I mean, three hours through there, and then I should be able to beat all the traffic and then just sit in the parking lot for a few hours till you guys wake up. Man, I'm if if the fish are biting, I'm up. Uh, <laughs> you know, I work, I work 3 to 11 in the city, so, like, one of my favorite um, – fisheries is we're not fisheries just time to fish is in the middle of the night mm -hmm. i there's something like that goes back to like finding that peace of mind um sorry i'm moving around a lot here you're good there's something that goes back to like that just finding that peace of mind just uh um in the middle of the night there's no one else on the water you know i can see oh, i'm sorry guys um you know, I can see the lights just down the beach where I'm going to fish, and uh, it's just peaceful. I love it up here in the middle of the night. It's awesome. That's sweet. Yeah. Well, before we uh, start to wrap up here, we want to go through some of our listeners' favorite questions. So do okay. you have any bucket list destinations or fish species that oh. you have yet to target or visit? Oh, well, so I went to Costa Rica this um, past year. And I've got the fish for rooster fish, uh, Kubera, and some jack of all. No rooster fish or Kubera, so they're definitely super high on the bucket list still, without a doubt. Um, if I can do it from the kayak, that's even better. And uh, bucket list place uh, would probably have to be like the Tropic Star Lounge in Panama or uh, Los Buzos Resort. That's just a strictly kayak fishery off the coast of Panama. And they catch some monster rooster fishing from bear down there. So that's that's definitely the bucket list for me right now. Sounds like you need to make a return trip down to Costa Rica. You got unfinished business with the roosters and the cobera. 
Definitely. I'm already trying to talk my girlfriend into making another trip down there this year. So we'll see how it goes. There you go. <laughs> awesome. How about a most memorable fishing trip? This can either be a really memorable, positive experience, or as our other co-host Bobby likes, a bad one that gave you a good laugh later on. Bad one? It's going to sound... Oh, man, I'm sorry. Um, It's going to sound like like I'm lying, but I don't think I've ever had like an awful bad fishing trip. Like I always, even if the fishing sucked, I try to have fun and just make the best of it. So I can't even say like I've had a really bad one. Um, well, that's not a bad thing to have. No, never. No, definitely. Definitely. My most memorable would be, um, probably that cod trip right now. Like it was, I mean, I've never experienced like, dead stick drop in real fishing where like every cod that comes up is like 12 15 18 and then that big one i caught which is 20 pounds so like that was super super fun and then uh any trip in rhode island any trip fish in the newport area i have like completely fallen in love with that place it's just naturally so beautiful the rock formations all around it and uh especially being up there in the kayak i, I love it up there so say those are some of my best memories recently. That's awesome. Yeah, definitely the cod one. Definitely uh, something very unique. You know, maybe not something that we get to do uh, every day. I hope to maybe do a cod trip at some point. Massachusetts is a great place to go fish, and definitely. and I enjoy the, the at least the one trip a year that I take up there. But yeah, you've definitely had some incredible catches, whether it's you know tog, fluke, weak fish, stripers. Um, you know, you've had some amazing experiences for sure. Yeah, that was one I missed this year. I was uh, black fishing from my kayak up in uh, Rhode Island, fishing like, I think like 12 feet of water. And I dropped a, a super light jig down to the bottom. I think I was fishing like a quarter ounce. And uh, I'm like sitting there, like letting line out, letting line out. I'm like, man, that thing never hit the bottom. Like, What's going on here? So I close my bail and I like come tight to it. And it just starts swimming away. And I've heard stories about how like those super big black fish when you when you catch them in on like loose structured bottom where they don't have like a, a wreck to go hide they start swimming out so this fish starts pulling me around i'm in between like these like two three million dollar sailboats in the moorings fishing and i'm getting like towed around in my kayak i'm like trying to steer it the fish is pulling drag it's pulling me around i'm like holding on for dear life i'm like oh man this is it it's like that big team, that 20 pound blackfish, I finally got it. And then like, you know, disappointingly, I see like this 45 inch striper come up to the surface. And I'm like, whoa, that's not a blackfish. And I just got its head into my net as fast as I could. And like, I think like only a quarter of the fish made it into the net. Like it was just flopping out. Like I'm trying to like pull the fish up into the kayak, the side of the kayaks taken on water. So I was like, Man, that was a cool, unexpected personal best. So that was that was a cool memory trip this year, too. Oh, for sure. Yeah, that's definitely a good story. Yeah. Qua, anything else before we start to wrap up here? Oh, uh, no, I'm good. I am good. Okay, yeah. awesome. Well, Jack, thank you so much for being on as a guest tonight. Uh, I know you said you've only been doing this for a couple of years, but you, you would know by looking at your catches, you know, you're, you're learning here and you're learning fast and you are certainly impressing uh, with your saltwater fishing from the kayak. So 
thank you again for being on. And before we let you go, maybe you can let our listeners know where they can find you on social media. Yeah, I'm just primarily on Instagram. Uh, like you mentioned before, my Instagram is togdog. It's a uh, tog and then dog spelled D-A-W-G. So if you want to drop me a follow, you know, I'm happy to have you along on the journey. And and if you don't, then that's cool, you know, so. No, I just, definitely got to give Jack a follow. He catches big fish. Yeah, appreciate it, guys. I'm, you know, thankful you guys decided to have me on. And uh, it was a really cool experience talking to you guys. Appreciate yeah, no, it. No problem, man. But just just remember, when you're ever down there, you give me a call. We'll go. I'm holding it. I'm holding you to it now. Definitely. Definitely, definitely sounds help. good. You got yeah. it. All right. Well, ladies and gentlemen, that's going to wrap up another great episode of the Tide Chasers podcast. We thank you for tuning in. Make sure to give Jack a follow on Instagram and uh, make sure to give us a follow and subscribe as well. Until the next episode, tight lines, everybody. All right. Have a great night, everyone. Tight lines.